Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look, for, to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why you were searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But I did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all those things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, uh, thank you for this word of yours that Luke has written. Uh, it's Luke's words, but God is also your word to us. So would you speak to us and teach each of us? Even from the youngest here today, would your spirit go to work and teach them uh, to the oldest of us? Lord, we have things to learn and to know about you. And we want to be ready to hear and to listen. Amen. So when I was, um, when I was growing up, I used to uh, go on family holidays in France with my family near to the beach. And when I say family holidays, I mean five to six families going on holiday together. So you're like 12 adults, 20-odd kids, all going and staying on a French campsite. Uh, a lot of fun and a lot of chaos and mayhem, as you, can, as you can imagine. And we would go out for the day off and we'd go and visit a beach or a town or a chateau or something. And then we'd all drive in cars back to the campsite. Uh, in the evening time, and, and one day after a particularly fun day on the beach, we were back at the campsite, the adults were sitting around having a drink, kids were off playing in the pool and in the play park on the campsite, uh, hanging out, and, uh, and a rep from the campsite comes to the adults and says, have you lost two children? And the adults like, no, no, we haven't lost two children, no, they're all playing, you know, they're in the pool and on, on the play park, and the rep says, well, that's funny because the French police have called, and they've got a four-year-old called Callum and a nine-year-old called James in the police station at the moment at which two of the mums just burst into tears. Because four-year-old Callum and nine-year-old James are two of their children, okay? And, uh, and what had happened is, coming off the beach at the end of the day in the afternoon, the carnage of just like so many people, uh, and basically what happened, this is just the way we did these holidays, you just come up off the beach and just kids just kind of pile into different cars. No one does a head count. No one checks who's there, and so different kids go in different cars from them who went on the way there, and we drive the five, six miles back to the campsite. Well, a little four-year-old Callum, on the way up from the beach, had got a little stone in his sandal, and so he had stopped, and J James is a very caring nine-year-old, so he stops to help him. And so by the time they've sorted that out, they look up, and everyone else is gone. <laughs> so bad. This is 100% true. Um, I was nine at the time. So they start walking five miles towards the campsite, and, uh, and some nice French lady picks them up on the way and takes them to the police station. And, uh, and it's a good ending to a potentially very sad story, isn't it? 100% true. Now, now, you might think Mary and Joseph leaving a 12-year-old Jesus behind in the city of Jerusalem while they travel home to Nazareth sounds unlikely. But I'm telling you, it's not. 
It's not unlikely. It's not just like a Home Alone script. This is real. And Luke has put together this story of Jesus' life. And he tells us, when he starts writing this story, we saw a few weeks ago, didn't we? He's written this orderly account of this stuff that he wants us to know about Jesus so that we can have certainty in our faith. And the question is, why has he included this in his orderly account? This is all that we have about Jesus from the age of two to the age of 30, pretty much. And why is he included this? Is it just because it's quite a cool story, which, which it is, or is there something more significant to get? And, and, and I think there is something more significant to get. I guess as Luke interviewed Mary uh, later on in her life, in her old age, and she recounted and told him all the significant events of what it was like to, to be Jesus' mum and, and have Jesus growing up in, in, in the home, I guess this event stuck out as particularly significant to her and certainly to Luke. Jesus is 12 years old, okay? It's a confusing time of life for all of us, isn't it? We're often at that age asking questions of who we are and who, what, what's my place in the world and, and how do I want to live? And for many of us, at that kind of age, that leads us actually into not good places, into rebellion and, and all sorts of unhelpful things and sometimes very strange life choices. But at this age, Jesus Christ at 12 years old, as he's navigating all of that stuff that we would navigate as well, he has a crystal clear sense of who he is, of what his life is about, and of how he is going to live. He knows exactly who he is. He knows exactly what his life is about, and he knows how he's going to live. His identity and purpose as the Son of God is not something that Jesus stumbled upon as an adult. It's not something that people just started whispering around and he thought, oh yeah, I can get some mileage out of this. Let's, let's, let's live as if this is true. It's not something that grew over time, but his identity and his purpose as the son of God was with him from day one and he lived it out and he lived it true from the start. Now, now this is significant. I want us to see why this is significant because we don't only get in this little story a, a glimpse of the perfection of, of Jesus and, and his perfect obedience to Father God in all things. But we also see, that. listen to this, what he invites us into, what he draws us into as his people. If we put our faith in him and we become his followers, then this is also showing us what life can look like for us. So, so let's, just, let's just work through the story. First of all, this is what happened. As faithful Jews, Mary and Joseph go to this Passover festival in Jerusalem each year. Now, the Passover is just a massive deal. You've got to think, it's a little like Glastonbury. Jerusalem was a city of 25,000 people, and in Passover week, it goes to 100,000. So just, it's just a massive festival, and, and it's this massive celebration. It's the biggest celebration of, of those people at that time. They were celebrating God's rescue uh, 1,500 years before that of his people from, from Egypt and from slavery. Uh, and this particular year, they go to, to this Passover festival, and Jesus is 12, and it stands out because as they're heading home after the festival is finished, with this big traveling group, lots of families together, and they get a whole day's journey away from the city back home, and then they realize something's wrong. Mary, Mary says, Joseph, is Jesus with you and, and the men and the older children? No, Mary, I thought he was with you and the women and the younger children at the back. See, Jesus in this age of transition, kind of between being a child and, and growing to become an older child and a man, and so he probably got caught between the two groups, and Mary thought he was with Joseph, and Joseph thought he was with Mary, and so they desperately start asking around, has anyone seen Jesus? Do you know where Jesus is? What's, what's, what's happened? And you can imagine the quickening pulse and, and the panic and the frantic search. 
returns nothing. No, no one's seen Jesus. He's nowhere to be seen. Now, imagine how this felt for Mary and Joseph. But think about it. It's pretty intimidating, isn't it, to be given the job to care for and raise the Son of God. Okay? Don't mess that up, guys. What do you mean you lost him? You have no idea where he is. You had one job to do, guys. One job. And so they go back to Jerusalem, another day walking. And you can imagine just the great distress. They've got a whole day to walk and panic and worry and be anxious. And then they search through the big city. And, and so probably, you know, Mary and Joseph split up. And, and they've got uncles and aunts searching too. And they're rushing from one street to next through the old city, looking in the alleyways and in the markets and probably even checking in on the taverns. Has anyone seen my boy? He's a 12-year-old. He's a little bit scruffy. He's, a little, you know, he's, he's, he's slim. Has anyone seen him? And it's getting more and more manic for Mary and Joseph. And Luke, like a creative filmmaker, cuts in verse 46 to another scene. And this scene is peaceful and it's serene and it's quiet. As Jesus is sat down with the religious teachers discussing philosophy in the afternoon sun. Because while Mary and Joseph are losing it all over the city, Jesus is sat with the rabbis and the religious teachers. He's listening. He's discussing. He's answering questions about the God of Israel and his word. And And he shows great understanding and wisdom. So those who hear what's going on are amazed at this boy, amazed at this child. You see, Jesus had stayed behind in Jerusalem on purpose. He had lingered there after the the festival. He had deliberately and intentionally chosen to stay. He wasn't lost. And if you imagine, as a young boy of his age, three days alone in a big city, you could do what you want, left your own devices, free and uninhibited, you can go where you like. And there's only one place, just one place Jesus is going to be. Just one thing he is going to be doing. And Mary and Joseph, we read, are astonished. I think that means a little bit cross, perhaps pretty embarrassed, but also greatly relieved. And that's what happened. This sets us up to get the the main point of this passage. And and that's revealed in this little conversation that happens between Mary and Jesus in in verses 48 and 49. And this little conversation unlocks the heart of this passage for us. This is what it shows to us. This story, the reason this is here, is all about Jesus' identity and his purpose. These things which he is crystal clear on, even as a young boy, but others, even his parents, are slower to grasp. Mary says to him, verse 48, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. She's got all the concern of a mother for her son. She's got all of the annoyance that he hasn't done what she wanted him to do, what she thought was right, and yet she's not fully getting him. In 49, Jesus replies his first ever recorded words. Why were you searching for me? Didn't you know that I had to be, I had to be in my father's house? Or the footnote in our Bibles helps us understand an alternative way of saying it. I had to be about my father's business. In that day, God symbolically dwelled in the temple in Jerusalem. It's where people could meet with God on earth and draw near to him. It's God's house. And Jesus said, I had to be there. I had to be with my father. You were worried that I wasn't with my parents? 
I was. I was with my dad. I was with my dad. Mum, Joseph isn't my father. God is. And I had to be with him. I had to be about his business. Jesus is crystal clear on who he is. His identity as a son of God, as the son of God. And he knows what his whole life is about. His purpose is to be with his father and to do his father's work. This is what is most necessary. This is what he has to do. This is what is so important in his life. Back in that day, sons would follow in their father's footsteps. We kind of lost that in our day and age, mostly. They they would learn their father's trade. They would take on the family business, and and they would inherit it from their father. Well, Jesus is following in his father's way. He's all about his father's business, which he has come to do. And and his age is significant. This age of 12, in in the Jewish culture of that day, that was the time, as as I've said already, that preparation for coming of age, the the transition from what it meant in that culture to be a boy, to grow into being a man. Nowadays, um, in, in, in Jewish religion and culture, it's known as the bar mitzvah. And, and so that, at that tender age, as we've already thought about people kind of exploring who they are and what their life's about, Jesus knows with clarity who he is, what his life about, and what he wants to do with his life. And Jesus would go on uh, to say, as, as, as an adult, things that really build on this. He would say in John's Gospel, I and the Father, talking about Father God in heaven, are one. The son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. The one who sent me, this father God in heaven, is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always, I always do what pleases him. For his entire life, Every part of Jesus knew what his identity was as the Son of God. He was always in perfect, unbroken relationship with his Heavenly Father. And he always lived that out. And he always lived out according to his calling and his purpose of knowing his Father, of of living in his presence, of pursuing his glory and being obedient to his word. This is what we know as what, what people call the active obedience of Jesus. And it's vital. We've already confessed it together. And we've sung about it that he alone has lived the perfect human life by God and by people. He alone has always loved and lived for God and always perfectly loved people. And he has done that for us and on our behalf. And that perfect life that he lived, even at the age of 12, flowed from a perfect relationship with his father God. And, and the intimacy with which he experiences and, and speaks of his relationship with his father is remarkable. It's way beyond anything that any person, Jewish or not, had talked about uh, before his day. Jesus here is giving a new and a profound and a deep expression of the fatherhood of God. And it springs from this closeness, unbroken fellowship between the eternal son of God and the eternal father of God. But not everyone gets that. No matter how close you are, even his family don't get that. Verse 50, we read that uh, Mary and Joseph don't understand what he's saying to them. You know, you can be so close to Jesus and yet not quite get him, can't you? At least not at first. 
You know, when Jesus said to his mum, why were you searching for me? He isn't saying, mum, you shouldn't have been looking for me. You shouldn't have been worried that you didn't know where I was. No, he's saying you ought to have known where I would be. Why were you looking through the streets and in the markets and elsewhere, mum? You ought to have known where I would be and what I'd be about. You ought to have known. Do you not remember what the angel Gabriel told you about me, who I am, what I've come to do? Mum, you ought not have needed to look. You should have just known exactly where to go. You know, ask yourself, why didn't Jesus tell his parents that he was going to stay at the temple? Why didn't he put them at ease? If he knew that's what he was going to do, why didn't he tell them? Did he dishonor them? Did he mistreat them? No, he didn't. He honored them perfectly because he fully lived out the law of God and he did not mistreat them in any way. In fact, he did them good because he gave them the chance to learn something deeply significant about who their child is. He gave them the chance to see and to learn something that before that point they weren't seeing and weren't learning. He gave them a chance for God to do his business in their lives. See, Mary and Joseph didn't understand at that time, but Mary treasured up all of these things in her heart. She mulled over these things that she did not get. She reflected on them and she pondered on them. And so over time she grew in her understanding and her appreciation of who he is and what he has come to do through his life. And I don't know when it started to make sense to her. But at some point it did. And through the, in, in this experience, through this, this real lived experience, this, this situation full of emotion and turmoil and, and this difficult situation that Mary and Joseph went, went through, Jesus gave his mum some stuff that she could treasure up in her heart. He gave her some stuff that she could reflect on and grow in her understanding and her appreciation of the person and work of her son. And so over time, she would come to realize in a deeper way who he is and what he's about. See, what Mary and Joseph are learning here, they're learning how Jesus is going to go about doing God's business. They're learning what it looks like for a human to always and every time do God's will, and be pleasing to Father God. And so as they return home to Nazareth with him, we read that he is obedient to them. He submits himself to his parents, puts himself under their care in accordance with the law of God. And he grew. He grew in wisdom and stature. He grew in favor with God and man. This is human nature of the person of Christ growing and living out the full perfection of his divine nature over time. This is Jesus repeatedly and consistently over time receiving favour from God and people because he keeps giving reasons to receive favour from God and people as he obeys again and he delights again and as he grows. You know, these, these are the awkward teen years of Jesus. If you think back to yourself, 12, 13, right? This is, this is Jesus and, and he's more perfect as a 12-year-old than I will ever hope to be. Certainly not than I am in my 30s. This is perfect wisdom. This is perfect godliness in every situation. This is him showing us the way of perfect obedience. Listen, Luke's written written about this stuff about Jesus so we can be certain. You can be certain in Jesus. Now here's the difference, just to close, it makes for you. This story is all about us getting who Jesus is. 
and what he's about. This story is all about us getting his identity and his purpose. His identity, as I've said, was the perfect son of God who loved Father God always and always did his will. And his purpose, the reason he was sent from heaven was to bring people, was to bring us into that same relationship with Father God that he had. Do you hear that? His purpose was to bring us into that same relationship with Father God. This isn't the last time Jesus would sit and discuss with religious teachers the nature of God, of true religion, of who we are as people, of what God has for us. And the religious teachers, as we see the conversation go on through the Gospels, they just couldn't get him. They couldn't get what he was going on about. They thought, uh, by and large, um, they thought the whole point of human life and what God really wanted for us and what he really wanted from us was us to live a good life, for us to be good people, for us to impress God and stand tall before others so that God and others would owe us their love and their respect and, and everything else. And Jesus comes and says to them, no, no, we're all, you're all like sheep that have gone astray. The sinful state of, of people's souls has alienated them from God. Uh, and it's like we've run away from, from our home and from our Father God and we've become estranged and we're cut off and, and we need to be brought back. We need to be rescued back and adopted into God's family. And, and so Jesus' identity as the perfect son of God and, and his purpose and his mission merge at this point as the true and perfect son of God. Jesus came to seek and to save those of us who are lost, who are not true and perfect children of God. He came to seek and to save us and to bring us back into the family of God and bring us back as children of God to restore us to perfect relationship with our Father, to give us that same identity and that purpose that he has. And so 20 years after this Passover festival, Jesus is back in Jerusalem again at the Passover. And he's there with his mum and with his friends. And the Passover festival finishes. And after it finishes, rather than sitting in the temple discussing and debating with the religious leaders, sitting in his father's presence, at this Passover, Jesus would go and hang on a Roman cross outside of the city, forsaken by God and alone. And at this Passover festival, this would be the perfect and the sinless son of God taking on the sins of his people, going about his father's business that was planned before the creation of the world to rescue and to save us from the pit of hell and to bring us back home and to bring us into this status as beloved children of God. Do you, do you in your heart and your mind, do you realize that's who Jesus is and that's what he came to do? It's that simple. And will you allow him? Will you ask him today to do that for you? Will you do that? And if you have, and if you will, will you seek to live out that same identity as a child of God and to live out that same purpose of doing God's will, of living for his glory in your life? Will you become more like this, Jesus? You see, it's not the last time when Jesus' family don't really get what's going on with him. And so maybe like Mary and Joseph, we can be so close to Jesus and yet often quite perplexed by him, can't we? 
what, what's he doing in and around my life? Maybe we don't even like the way he's doing things in your life. Jesus, what are you doing in this situation? Why are you making that decision? Can't you see this is a mess for me? Can't you see I'm panicked and anxious by this? I don't understand. But that is very often when he is doing the work of God in your life. You don't have to get it all. You don't have to have every answer. You don't have to understand all that's going on. You don't have to have all your ducks in a row before you follow Jesus and before you know that it is worth everything to do that. But if we are children of God, then we will treasure these things up in our hearts. We will seek into them. And over time, by God's grace, we may grow in knowledge and love of him and trust in him through thick and thin. Listen, this is who Jesus is and this is what he does. The perfect son of God brings us in as children of God and then he he repurposes our lives for God's glory and for the growth of God's kingdom and for God's purposes. Know today that if your trust is in Christ, you are a dearly loved child of God. You are precious to him. You have that perfectly intimate relationship with your father. You're loved more than you can know and more than you can experience and even more than you can imagine. And let that rock-solid sense of your identity, of who you are now, of who he says you are be, uh, of who he says you are, of who he has made you to be, let that shape your purpose. Let that shape how you live life and your calling in life. So you recommit yourself to do, do God's will, to be all about his business and to seek his glory, come what may. Let me pray for us and then we're going to respond by, by singing together. Lord Jesus, I'm just in awe of you. We read the story of you as a 12-year-old and and your wisdom and your maturity and your godliness and your devotion to to doing what your father wanted is just so far above me and even what I've been and what I am today. So I'm just in awe of you and I just worship you for that. But Jesus, I thank you so much that that hasn't, that hasn't led you to stay far away and just, I don't know, keep away from the likes of me, but actually you've done that for me and you've come to me to save me and to bring me in as, as, as the son of God, something I don't deserve. And, and for each of us who has that this morning, we thank you for that gift. For any who don't yet have that this morning, I pray that you would give them that gift today, that they'd put their faith in you. For us who do, Lord, please... Please, would we know that identity? Would our lives be rooted in it? Would we just be so aware of it and so rejoicing and overjoyed in it that it just shapes the whole of life for us? As it shaped your life, would it shape ours? And we pray that, that come what may this week, this, this month, this year, this, this life of ours, that you may be glorified. Amen.